Get ready for a recap of the AZA 2023 conference. Woo! Hello, I'm John Rossi. I'm a touring drummer with a passion for animal conservation. When I'm on the road, I spend as much time as possible visiting zoos, aquariums, and conservation organizations. Now, I want to share those places with you. I'll be talking to keepers, vets, conservationists, anyone who can help me in my mission of connecting my people to animals through their people. Join me on my raw safari. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Raw Safari podcast and our very exciting look at the 2023 AZA conference. Y'all, I am really excited to be bringing this to you because um, we did we did a conference recap last year. Uh, Zoe, Katie Prop, and I talked to y'all a little bit, but uh, this year is going to be a whole lot of different. So we're going to tell you a little bit about um, what I experienced at the conference, uh, but we're joined by three very special guests, um, all people who have been on the podcast who I know that y'all love, to share about their experiences as well. So um, you're going to be hearing from me, and then you're going to be hearing from Sarah Lynn Bowser of the Oakland Zoo, Tiffany James of Zoo Knoxville, and Natalie Berry of Sea Life out in Arizona. And uh, I know you know the names. I know you love them all. And I'm just excited to to have them on here and to share with you. So um, I guess I'll start off by explaining a little bit of what you're going to be hearing here. I'm going to start off by kind of sharing my own experience of the conference a little bit, and then um, I'll go to what is normally the interview section of the podcast, which will be me doing those three interviews. Uh, and um, it's it's going to be a little interesting. We had some fun audio challenges, as often happens. Uh, Sarah Lynn and I started off our recording kind of out just in a hallway. It was pretty entertaining. And then we ran and kind of hid in a room that I don't know that we were allowed to be in, but we we were in it. Uh, and then uh, when I recorded Tiffany the next day, I took her to that room where we weren't allowed to be, but we were there. And then I spoke to Nat actually at the Columbus Zoo because it was Zoo Day. And um, all of these presented their own challenges. And you'll hear some background noise, but trust me when I say it is worth it. There's a lot of great content. And beyond those three interviews, Sarah Lynn was actually cool enough to let me record parts of her sessions. Now, I had to keep it brief because there was a lot of content there, obviously, um, but you'll get to hear a little bit about like what it's like to be sitting in the session uh, for me because it's the audio that I was hearing. Uh, you'll even get to hear me ask a question during the session and the first part of the response from it uh, from one of the sessions that I was at. So I'm really excited for you to hear all of that and to really come into the AZA conference with me as never before. So it's going to be a really good time and I look forward to sharing it with y'all. But again, some of the audio, not the greatest, but um, trust me, the content 
beyond reproach. You know them. You love them. These guests are the best. I also want to tell you to make sure that you uh, stay tight to the end of the credits. I've been adding some post-credit scenes, if you will, to um, Zoo News episodes, like usually just um, little slips of the tongue that I make or whatever. But in this case, I'm just throwing in something that's kind of adorable, and you're absolutely going to love it. So make sure that you do listen the whole way through so you don't miss that. All right, so uh, let's do some quick housekeeping. Just a friendly reminder, make sure that you are subscribed. Please consider leaving a five-star rating or even writing a quick review on whatever podcast uh, platform you listen to this on. Uh, It really does help people to find it. Um, A friendly reminder that we are available on YouTube now. And um, you can can search there, you can subscribe there, and you can can listen along there. And uh, don't forget to follow along on social media, at Ross Safari on all the socials except for TikTok where it's at Ross Safari Pod. All right. So um yeah, let's get to my experience of the AZA conference. Now you may remember that I was actually on an under the sun tour and flew right into the conference. So it was a pretty interesting experience because I landed, hopped in the car, and immediately it was conference time. The first thing that happens at the AZA conference every year is um, an icebreaker. Okay, that's actually, I've already lied to you. I apologize. The first thing that happens is a couple of days of meetings of committees and SSPs and safe programs and things like that, but I, I wasn't at those. So the first thing that happens to most conference attendees is the icebreaker. This year, the icebreaker was held at Nationwide Arena, and it was a true icebreaker in that we were on the ice where the professional hockey team in Columbus plays. They actually covered the rink with flooring, and we got to be right on the rink, which was really nifty. Uh, there were all kinds of cool things going on. There were bars. There was lots of really cool food around, and um, it was just a chance to hang out and catch up. And uh, yeah, we had a really good time. Zoe and I enjoyed being there. We didn't stay too terribly long because we were exhausted, but we caught up with so many people. And I'll talk more about that kind of at the end of the episode. But um, what an amazing experience it was to just be hanging out at Nationwide Arena. I guess they really are on your side. Anyway, then we headed um, the next day, which was Tuesday, uh, to the convention center where we got registered, had a light continental breakfast, and then had the opening general session. And it was really cool that always every day uh, there's like a speaker who speaks to the entire group, which is amazing and really inspirational and um, always uh, comes from like somewhere in but also outside of the zoo world. And um, it was just a really good speech. It was a really good time. And again, just a really cool start to the conference. And then um, the exhibit hall opened, and you'll hear more about that when I talk to Tiffany. Uh, and we we just kind of moved on to what are called the concurrent sessions, where everybody gets to pick different things to go and learn uh, from experts about. So I know Zoe went to a thing about animal transport post-COVID restrictions, and I thought that was really cool. And I went and checked out the Developing Core Competencies for AZA Education Professionals and the Guest Technology Inside the Park, New Ways to Connect with Wildlife uh, sessions. They were, they were very cool. 
And I, I really uh, enjoyed my time there. And I'm not going to go through all the sessions because, again, I have cool guests that can tell you more about what they were doing. But um, suffice to say, it was it was a pretty great day. And uh, and that would just continue. You know, you go to a concurrent session. They feed you in the main hall. You can wander around the exhibitors and get cool free stuff and talk to those people. And um, – it's just amazing to be around so many like-minded individuals and have so many great conversations about stuff that, you know, otherwise you wouldn't get to have. Or if you do work in the zoo, you might get to have them, but with the same people all the time. Now you're talking to new different people. It's it's a wonderful time. Um, I really can't recommend going to the conference enough if you get the opportunity to do so. So anyway, uh, that's a little bit about my experience. And now we're going to take it to the interviews and let some other people share what they're stories were like. Hi. Hi. So who are you? Uh, who am I? My name is Sarah Lynn Bowser. I'm the programs manager for Ambassador Animals at the Oakland Zoo. Yeah, you are. Yeah. And so let's talk. We're at the AZA conference. Yes. And uh, it's the first day. Yes. How's your first day been? It's been really great. I feel like I have had the best option of like picking such great sessions to go to today. Um, we had a really wonderful, even to start off the morning at like 8 a.m., like a very powerful like keynote speaker that I may or may not have teared up at. And my coworkers had to hand me tissues in the dark, um, <laughs> which was great. Um, and then going to <laughs> sessions later that were really wonderful and empowering and talking about the value of education in these types of spaces. Uh, and so that's been really great. And then even just going to one now talking about imposter syndrome and how not only can you work on that as an individual ways that you can help cope, but then also ways that you as a leader can step in and provide support and be an ally for other people who might be experiencing the same thing. And it's just day one. Yeah. I know. That's awesome. I'm glad it's been so meaningful for yeah. you. I thought it was really cool. So I, um, I actually went mm -hmm. into the first educators session, the one that you were in. Yeah. I saw you, but then I was like, Oh, I don't really fit this one so well. So I snuck off to a different session, oh. but I saw like it was, it was all about like breaking out into little groups and doing stuff. Talk so, about that for a second. Yeah. So yeah. what it was, it was really, really cool. Um, because there tends to be this habit in, uh, honestly, not just zoos and aquariums, but in general where people take education and they maybe watch you go out and do your job and think, wow, that looked really, you make it look so easy that people believe that it's very easy. Right. And that is actually not the case at all. And so what they really wanted to acknowledge in that session was starting off by saying that during the pandemic, education was one of the areas that got hit the hardest. And a lot of people got let go to where we realized like there is this phenomenon that we all relate to where our work might not be really recognized or seen. And then we tend to be put in all of these different places because we can do so many things. We tend to be these jack of all trades kind of people who even when given a challenge, we're going to try our best to make it work. And then people think that it's magic, but it's not magic. And so then when that happens, we also get stuck because we're like, well, how do I grow professionally when I'm pulled in nine million different directions? And so the benefit of that session was one, acknowledging what are these buckets of where we really work and where we place a lot of our focus in. And a lot of that surrounded um, safety, educational theory, um, audience engagement, the way that we can literally 
adjust ourselves based on who it is that we're talking to and how we constantly are adapting our programming and focusing our science communication with exactly who it is that we're talking to and making those like on the fly adjustments. We also discussed um, how do we connect with our community? What does that look like? What is conservation education? How can I make you, the second you leave our conversation, want to do something else past our relationship? So discussing like what our goals are and essentially forming this framework of how we are all already doing it. So then that way, and hopefully they said that within a year or so, they'll come up with basically this structure of what it is that we primarily do, whether it's in learning engagement or education departments. So not only we can advocate for ourselves in these situations of saying, actually, I know that you think I'm just talking, but these are all of the things that I'm doing. And I tend to be doing them all simultaneously. And it involves a lot of training and a lot of methodology. And it's my job to make it look seamless, um, as well as be able to focus on okay, so maybe I want to be able to learn more about methodology and how to be able to study um, whether or not my program is working well. Maybe I want to be able to build up my, build up my ability to, you know, figure out different evaluation methods. And so that way we can also, as a professional, say, I want to learn more in this path or in this bucket. And so that's what I really talked about. So it was really cool to get to see us all kind of look at each other and be like, yeah, we actually do a lot. And right, then have right. that kind of um, validated there. And then also feel inspired for not only how you can continue to grow, but you can help others to grow. And since I'm a manager within the Oakland Zoo, I'm always thinking about how can I help create opportunities for others and help them become the best versions of themselves, whether they stay at the zoo or they choose to go somewhere else. So it was a really lovely lovely session. And it did involve sticky note writing. And there was this really, I think it's irony, um, this moment where I was writing on a sticky note about how we work to make accessible communication for everybody. And then my pen died. And then all the writing, I kept writing over it and then you couldn't read it anymore. And I was like, oh, I feel like this is really bad because I'm talking about accessible communication and then you can't read what I'm writing and I've written over it a thousand times. Um, Amazing. Amazing. It went great. Very seamless. Perfect. And yeah. now you were presenting here twice yeah. this week. So what are you going to yeah. be presenting on? So tomorrow, I, I'm first very happy that I get to present on two panels, which is a really wonderful thing. Uh, and so tomorrow I will be presenting with a group that are part of the ACE Wildlife Network. Are you already familiar? Yes, no, maybe I so. I am not. Um, we are advancing conservation through empathy for wildlife. Nice. That is the ACE wildlife network um and because we always call it ace i constantly forget what the full name is (laughs) um but so i'm working with members of that which include woodland park zoo um oakland zoo is an affiliate and we're talking not only about how there's the research behind empathy and how by fostering that and promoting that you are significantly more likely to have an impact with the people that you're interacting with where they're more likely to take conservation action and we are flipping those best practices and turning them on to a lens more focused focused around the people that we work with. So how do we take empathy and care for one another at our institution and create buy-in for empathy? So specifically for myself, I will be the last speaker on that panel, and we're going to be talking about reflective teaching and reflective journaling practices, um, how it can not only help us kind of protect our mental health, but also help us learn and continue to grow as professionals and help us, whether you are a keeper and you had a training session, how you can continue to build those skills, maybe be able to bounce back from a training session. Yeah. And then what is your, uh, what is your other topic of conversation? I'm so excited about that one. And so that one is all about the impact of choice and how it can affect the whole panel itself is about how choice for animals can not only enhance the well-being, but it actually affects pretty much every facet of the zoo. And so we had people who were talking all about how 
choice is important just for general well-being and welfare in bears to fish. And I get to talk all about how implementing choice and agency not only can be beneficial for the animals that we work with, but also is important in the people that are participating in our programs to, again, increase empathy and their connection to those animals and have experiences where they leave, have different feelings, and want to take action. And so I get to talk all about a really cool project with um, interchangeable snake enrichment boards and trying to do research with middle schoolers, which if you've ever met a middle schooler, is a very different experience (laughs) um, and very difficult. And just about how much choice is not only wonderful for the animal care side, but for everything and a different way to think about how we do our programs and integrating things a little bit more. Nice. And now I noticed last year, the the panel that you were on that I met you at was all about choice and control. And the term that you just used was choice and agency. Yes. Is there a a reason for that change? So agency is also going to be choice. And so those can be used a little bit interchangeably. Agency is just the ability to um, do whatever you want and kind of move about freely. And when we think about choice and control, those are two other terms that right now are important in a lot of this work, but don't necessarily have super clear definitions. And it's something that people are trying to figure out and be able to kind of build with and adapt around as we continue a lot of the work that we're doing. And so some of the most recent definitions, and again, these aren't the permanent ones, um, and we'll kind of do a little bit of an example to see if that helps make a little bit more sense. So if we were to think about being here in this conference center, right? And when we talk about choice and control being two different things, choice would be the ability for you to go over to that thermostat and change it to a temperature that's comfortable for you. You have the opportunity to do that. Control is you constantly having that ability. You could go change the thermostat whenever you wanted, not just when I said, okay, John, yes, now you can go. You can do it once, but not again. It's about the predictability of how often you're able to do that. And choice is usually a pretty easy one. A lot of people are usually referring to choice when they say, choice and control is the control of a situation um, that gets a little bit hairier in the definition. But that's kind of an example of a way to think about how they're different. So usually when I say choice and agency is because we're talking about a lot of the in the moment things. Control is looking at the long term. How often and for how long does that animal really have uh, those choices and in that sequence? Nice. Awesome. Uh, Anything else you want to say about the conference? Uh, it's fun and I am excited and I'm also tired, but that's okay. I know. We're both <laughs> sitting here like, oh, it long day. 619. Yes. Um. All right. Cool. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to, yeah. to chat about this. So we're going to get to our other guests in just a minute here, but Sarah Lynn Bowser is such a cool human. She actually let me record, uh, her presentations and I'm now going to play just a few snippets of each of those for you just to give you an idea of what it's like to be in the room. And then after that, you're going to get to hear me actually ask a question in uh, her second session and then she and some other uh, people on the panel responded. So, uh, enjoy literally being in the room with us for a couple minutes. So when we talk about reflective practices, as we think to what Autumn just talked about with mindfulness, any reflective practice is something that actively involves analyzing your experiences and actions in order to help yourself improve and develop. This allows for identification and appreciation of positive experiences that you've had, really wonderful things you've gotten to experience, 
and a time to reflect on better methods for improving your practice and general service delivery. And these are things that can impact everyone at our institution, from someone who works in education to someone who maybe is an animal care professional, someone who works in the bat hospital, even those who are our frontline staff and tickets admissions and into gift shops. This applies for everyone. And this is especially when referencing an education, we often call this reflective teaching. And this is something that is recognized in the formal teaching field. It is properly defined as a process whereby teachers are gonna be reflecting on their experiences. And the main goal of this is to say, is what I'm doing working? Is the lesson plan that I'm putting together effective? Is all of this working? How can I do better? And so one of the reasons that this actually matters is because it makes all the difference when you consider that a lot of teachers have good days in the same way that a lot of zoo professionals have good days. And we also have bad days. Sometimes we have really bad days. And yes, yes, I know you want to keep hearing that because Sarah is incredible. But uh, that was just a little introduction into what she started talking about, getting into kind of journaling and all of that and how that applies to empathy, which is what the entire session was about. Um, and I was actually able to uh, ask a question during the session and get a response. And um, I'll let you listen to that part now. There, There's kind of a Q&A section after everybody presents. So, uh, yeah, you, you can hear hear that now. Yeah. And I think there's a mic, but... I'm loud. You <laughs> <laughs> um, something that I struggle with a lot when sharing stories about animals is creating empathy while avoiding anthropomorphism. And I was wondering if anyone had any thoughts on that. I'm just curious at like where you find those lines and how to do that without making it too much maybe. Um, so when we talk about uh, empathy, especially with ambassador animals, one of the biggest concerns is anthropomorphism, which is already a concern when working so closely with animals. So one of the things that we always encourage people at the Oakland Zoo is not just for empathy, but especially accurate empathy. So thinking about how you can relate these stories knowing that projection is a thing that happens, it's something that people do naturally. So how can you relate actual animal experiences, things that we know, research that we have, and how can you bring that into the things that you're talking about? Also, some of the questions that you can ask yourself, for example, is at the Oakland Zoo, we were discussing, I believe it was baboons, and a comment that a keeper made was that at baboons, she was a good mother. We had a volunteer who asked, well, can she actually be a good mother? Is that anthropomorphism? So then the question became, what is innately human and what isn't? Do we know that baboons take care of one another? Yes. Do we know that they provide parental care? Yes. Can they do it badly? Yes. Can they also do it well? Yes. So thinking your way kind of through some of those, can you, you can't apply that to obviously every animal. It's going to be different when you talk about snakes who, you know, some abandon, most of them abandon the young, but it's also a great opportunity to talk about with ball pythons or Burmese pythons. So taking into account the natural history of the animal that you're talking about and how do you want to apply it that way. But it's just taking your time and don't just make something up just for the sake of it, but take your time as the interpreter and the researcher or the podcaster when sharing uh, an animal story that way. So I really loved that. And it was really cool to get to interact with Sarah, like on stage, her looking all cool and, and professional. And I also felt really seen when she made a, uh, you know, mention of podcasters. It was very sweet of her. Um, but I can't play the rest of it for you, but that question led to three other people speaking on the topic. And unfortunately, I didn't get permission to record all of them, but like, it's so cool that just, 
you know, these conversations are fostered and there were different takes. And one of my favorite things that was said and that a lot of the panelists agreed with is that anthropomorphism is not necessarily just a bad thing. Uh, you have to be careful with it, but it can be used in good ways and it can build empathy. And then there were people in the audience who like heavily disagreed. And that's what's so amazing about the AZA conference. We got to have this discussion and um, it was it was real. It was cool. I wish I could play the whole thing for you. But um, I'm going to let you listen in on just a little bit of Sarah's second uh, presentation as well here. So just start off, I have a question for you. After visitors meet an ambassador animal, how do we want them to feel? You can just shout out an answer. How do you want them to feel? Connected? Inspired. Inspired? Inspired to do what? To conserve, right? So oftentimes, whenever we think about this, and the ambassador animals, one of the main goals we have is to inspire our guests to take conservation action is usually one of the things you all talk about in a share goal we have. But in order to do this, it involves us addressing a lot of barriers or barriers, external uh, incentives people might have to participate, as well as internal motivators. So their natural connectedness to nature and environmental identity they may already have, any emotional envy that they have, and also empathy. And Multiple studies, multiple studies have reported that of these internal motivators, empathy towards wildlife is an important factor in predicting their willingness to take conservation action. And at this point, I want to thank the Advancing Conservation through Empathy for Wildlife Network, ACE for Wildlife. It was really a lot of people who've done a lot of the research and work with this, including Seattle Aquarium, Point Defiance Zoo, as well as Woodland Park Zoo. So they've done a lot of work with this, so giving them credit there. And to kind of put it in this context, empathy, I love definitions, so we're going to operate under empathy here is defined as a stimulated emotional state that relies on the ability to perceive, understand, and care about the experiences or perspective of a person or animal. But especially when working with ambassador animals, we're striving for what's called active empathy. So an empathic response that's based in knowledge of an animal's natural history, not our projected assumptions as, you know, human animals. And so when we think about empathy, there are several characteristics that really contribute this. We have affectivity. We have coherence. How much does that animal's body plan make sense to us? Is it something that we recognize? It might be easier in a panda when you see eyes, ears, arms, legs. But then maybe when you see a cockroach that physically looks different than us, it gets a little bit harder. You also have agency. When we talk about choice and control and agency, that all falls under that, as well as continuity. How long will you spend it with that animal? And what does that look like? And because of all this, it's a lot easier for humans to recognize these factors in mammals versus other, quote unquote, because I don't agree, less charismatic species of snakes or invertebrates. And again, I'm sorry for the audio there. Um, I was recording in a very large room and it was not made weirdly for podcasting. Um, but I, I wanted you to at least get a little flavor for just how amazing these presentations are. Um, it was, it was very cool. The, 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 all of the presentations are just amazing. So now we're going to move on and talk to a different friend of the podcast who's going to share, um, what their experience was like. All right. So quickly, tell me yes. who you are and where you work. I am Tiffany James, and I work at Zoo Knoxville. Yep. I was formerly a keeper at Zoo Knoxville, as people know me from. 
Um, but I'm actually switching into development next week. Exciting! And I'm sure we will do an episode about that at some point down the road. But we are here today to discuss the fact that we are at the AZA conference. We sure are. So tell me about your experience here. It has been amazing. So this is my first time coming to the AZA conference. I've been to AZAC conferences in the past, but this is really my big my big first entry into the conference world. And I have loved it. It's been like fuel for my extroverted self. So I've just been like bouncing to all the rooms and other people need recharge breaks. I'm like, let's go to the next thing. <laughs> so I'm just like literally soaking up everything, which has been really, really amazing. And then I'm also just fangirling all the time because I keep seeing people like in passing that I know and like I've met them, but I'm definitely not someone that they would remember, but I'm like, I know you. You're so cool. It's been it's been awesome. Priya from the Columbus Zoo, mm-hmm. like the vet, it was amazing. Yes. Said hi to me. What? And I was she knows like, who you are. I don't know. She was probably just being nice. That's but, fantastic. Yeah. I was just talking about fangirling over her with someone else the other day. I'm just like, I know you, but they, yeah, I've never actually met her. Nice. Yes. Please hit a lot of papers. It's I, really good for recording. I mean, I'm <laughs> shuffling my notes because I always write down what I'm going to say. Obviously. <laughs> so tell me a little bit. Like, what have you gone to? Um, I have gone to a lot. So I'm here with my DEAI committee. So we submitted a grant through our zoo, which I've talked about with Zoonoxville before. This mm-hmm. is that same professional development opportunity. It's just department-focused. So there's four of us that came with this specific group, but I think there's like got to be like 15 Zoonoxville people here um, because our CEO is now the board chair, and she's amazing, Lisa New. Um, but I've been trying to hit up topics focused on DEAI and we made this really like super organized spreadsheet. We meaning not me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we're trying to make sure everybody was going to the, the session. So I've gone to, um, today I went to an empathy session, which was really cool. That was so good. Went, yes. I that went to so a social good. science one. I don't know if you saw that one. No. Oh my no. gosh. I love social Tell me about science. That a little bit. Okay. So again, fangirling because it was people that like I kind of knew. Um, but basically it's like looking at what we're doing and how people respond to that. And that just resonates so much with me. So that's what I want to focus PhD research on and my new development role. That's going to be a huge part of it because again, people don't give money if they don't care about something and that's our job to make them care. So yeah, so that was a really cool session. Yeah. Very cool. Dang it, these papers. So many papers. (laughs) And so, um, what has your, what is, what do you feel like the vibe has been like here? It's been really nice. I thought it would be like, um, I, I was nervous that it would be really fancy and like I would be very out of place. I, I thought I'd experience a lot of imposter syndrome, which I do. And then I went to the session on imposter syndrome, which was also awesome. Nice. <laughs> um, so nice that they had that. But it's been actually the opposite of that. Like everybody you talk to wants to talk to you and they're excited to help you and want to hear your career path, your goals, like how you can connect with them. And it's been like... I, I don't even like hugs, but I feel like it's the big hug from the zoo community, if that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. And I do like this. I should I should make that clear. <laughs> I no, don't yeah. hate it. <laughs> no, I get that. I get that. Very cool. Very cool. And do you find that with, like, the entire staff of Zoo Knoxville here, apparently, um, <laughs> do you find that there's a lot of, like, team building going on? Or are you guys all, like, trying to get different stuff? Like, what approach are y'all taking? So we're pretty much doing different stuff. We haven't really seen each other a lot, except for... The curator of Herps, we, we see him everywhere, like outside of here, in here, Michael Ogle. I don't know if you've ever talked to him. Probably will someday. Probably. I know he's tight with Phil. Yeah, I was um, going to say. I almost said <laughs> Phil, but then I'm like, oh, no, wait. He's, that was his old job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Michael just appears places, so okay. it's been really funny to see him. But, you no, know, we're really spread out. There's a few things that we're seeing other people. Um, my new supervisor's here, so he's been really great to, like, recommend different tracks for me to do. And I just had... 
I think my first session with him was um, focusing on like travel trips, which we know I love to travel. We do. Um, but doing that with donors and how to cultivate that and how to get them to connect with the trip and with the zoo. Um, so that's cool. But yeah, we haven't done a ton of bonding other than we have a Zubaru. So it's a zoo Subaru. Um, very fancy, very creative Yay. name. Um, so the four of us that came on that same grant, we all rode up together and have been bonding and everything. And then tonight we have a dinner to celebrate Lisa New being awesome. Nice. Yeah. Very, very cool. And then uh, are you sticking around for Zoo Day? Yes. You excited? Uh, so I, yeah, I interned at the Columbus Zoo. Yeah. <laughs> so I haven't been since 2014, and my gut tells me they've changed a little bit a little since bit, then. A little bit, yeah. I haven't <laughs> been since last month, but it'll be good to get back. I'm guessing it's uh, changed since last month. Too. Yeah, you're Shoot, not wrong. They're awesome. Um, awesome. Anything yeah. else you want to tell anyone about your experience here? I just want to encourage everybody to come. This is, I know it's not like the cheapest conference that we could go to as zoo professionals, but holy smokes, the networking here and just like meeting people who are making a difference. Like you can have a conversation with people that are doing the thing and like, that's cool. So just do the thing. Come here. Go yeah. to Aza, go to all the conferences, meet all the people, come hang out with me because I will be at every conference forever, hopefully. It's in Calgary next year, so I mean, yes. I'm really hoping that we can do Calgary yes, next year. Yeah. Let's go. Um, and I think the mid years at Memphis. Yeah, I love not Memphis, too far. So, I haven't yeah. been yet. I've oh my gosh! Driven by it a million times oh because we sold in Little Rock, but yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so last question. Mm-hmm. Everything that you have just said about what you loved here yes. is a lie. Tell yes. the people what your real favorite thing has been. Oh, my real favorite thing. I already forgot. I don't know what my real favorite thing yes, is. Yes, you do. Which it's one? Pens. Oh, the pens. And, and oh my stickers. Gosh. And talk about the it swag is. for oh, a second. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Yes. So this is actually the coolest thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> so it's basically like Christmas. Uh, you just walk into this big exhibition hall, which I've been to the ASAC conference. They had an exhibition hall. But like this exhibition hall, it's like the people really trying to sell products to the zoos. So they come in with the swag. So you get like pins. I got socks with bears on them. Black bears, like the coolest bear. <laughs> Superior bear. Um, so we got a million pens and stickers, and I got a little like water bottle pursing from Nat Geo. And it's like all these really cool organizations who think I make decisions, even though I really don't. So they're like trying to impress me with Dude, their socks. It's not even that. They want to give I you stuff it. because I literally, like, there was a scale company mm-hmm. that stopped Zoe and I, and they were like, Do either of you ever buy scales for your institutions? <laughs> Do you want a scale? And we both went, No. And they were like, Take a bag anyway. And we were like, oh my Okay. Gosh, so it's we magical. each got a bag. Yeah, yeah. no, I really love this. And like a ton of them have chocolate out. I don't know if I've said this on the pod before, but I'm actually allergic to chocolate. So when they're like offering it to me, I'm like, no, I can't have it. Sorry. Like just me being, I've I've been allergic forever. I'm used to it. And they feel so bad about it that they give me other free things. And I love it. It's like, oh, you should buy this, but we'll just give it to you. And I'm like, oops, I just swore. You're going to have to like bleep that out. I know how to. Yes, cool. I'm sure you have practice. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Awesome. Cool. Well, thank you for yeah. taking the time. It's so Thanks good to see you again. Yes. And then that brings us to our third interview for this, uh, our good friend Natalie Berry from Sea Life. We actually spoke at Zoo Day. Enjoy. Awesome. So real quick, remind people who you are and where you work. Hi, I'm Natalie. I work at Sea Life in Arizona. Um, it's in Tempe. It's like outside of Phoenix. Yeah, we call it Phoenix in my world, but <laughs> you're right. It's not Phoenix. That works. And where are we today? We are at the Columbus Zoo and Aquarium. Woo, as part of? Zoo Day for Woo-hoo. AZA. Yay. Have you enjoyed being at the zoo so far? 
I really have. Um, it's really cool. Obviously for me, I like the aquarium and ectotherm stuff the best, but we did go into a nocturnal building. Mm -hmm. That was super cool. I've never seen an exhibit like that before. It's just all nocturnal, all nocturnal animals. And, um, it was really cool because the keepers were out. Nice. Feeding and interacting with the animals. They were all moving around. They were able to tell us about it. It was definitely a good time. Nice. Very cool. Yeah, I'm really enjoying my time here. And I'm sorry that you have to leave early. I know. Because they're saying open till 9 for us tonight. I know. I know. It's, it's not my so fault. I know. You have to fly. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so tell me about the conference a little bit. What's been like, you know, your vibe? What's been your favorite stuff? Talk to me. Yeah, it's been really cool. Um, there's just so many different sessions and types of sessions. Um, it kind of sucks that they're all at the same time. So you have to like choose wisely which one you go to. Luckily they record some of them, but it's, it's just really cool to be able to go talk about acrylics. And then you go to another room and you're talking about scientific research. And then you go to another room and you're talking about diversity and inclusion and you know, how to better get minorities in the industry and things like that. So I got a lot more out of this than I was expecting to, nice. um, especially on like a, social level as well like obviously we're all here networking and it's great to see how many zoos and aquariums are just like banding together you know and it's all for the animals yep. and bettering animals bettering animal care and everything so yep. yeah it's been great good what has been like what was your favorite one of your sessions oh that is such a hard question um they did do the best of raw which being an aquarium person <laughs> Of course, I loved those presentations because I didn't get to go to Raw. Mm -hmm. um, the evening buzz was really cool. What is Raw? Just for people oh, that don't know. Oh, um, Raw is regional aquarium workshops. Okay. Um, so it's just like a big aquarium conference. Nice. Yeah, for a bunch of aquarium and fish nerds. <laughs> nice. Very cool. And then you did the evening buzz? Mm -hmm, cool. Which cool. Um, is a whole bunch of different presentations. They're limited to five minutes. So it's just an hour and a half of just getting bombarded with like information, but it was so great. Um, the one that I went to this morning was actually really, really interesting and eye-opening about um, minorities and women in the industry and how we can, you know, better serve them and serve that group and kind of make our industry a lot more accessible and more inclusive. Right. So, that, I mean, it was that was a good one to start my morning with, I think. Yeah, that's cool. Very good. Um, is there anything else you wanted to say about the conference, your experience, or like just like the social aspect of it? Because you're not here alone. Like other people from Sea Life are here. And like, how's yeah. that been? You know, whatever. Yeah, it's funny because, you know, there's multiple Sea Lifes in the U.S. And so there's four different sites, people from four different sites here. So obviously we banded together and... So we have a huge group and people will be like, oh, where are you guys from? And we're like, Sea Life. And they're like, you're all from Sea Life? And it's like, okay, well, different states. But <laughs> So that's been fun. And then just meeting people that you wouldn't get a chance to meet if you weren't here. Like just being able to talk to people, brainstorm with people, get your ideas out to people that you never thought you'd be able to reach. So it is, I think AZA is such a good, I want to call it a tool, like a tool for us in the industry 
to be able to expand our knowledge and, you know, get your feelers out there. You meet people who have like the same ideas as you that want to work with you. It's really been awesome. Very cool. And you went to a bonus thing too, uh, last night. You and I both went to different bonus yeah. things. Um, but what was yours and, and what was it like? Yeah. So it was Suds for Sharks. It was for Safe Sharks and Rays. Um, the curator at Sea Life Orlando, um, she actually kind of put it all together and it was at a brewery in Columbus and they did bids. They had like stuff that you could bid on to like raise money for safe, uh, sharks and rays. We had a raffle. I won a little gift. It was great. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, so many people showed up. So many people. That place was packed. It was nice. awesome. Nice. Very cool. Awesome. Well, thank you for doing this. Go yeah. walk the zoo. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> And, you know, Nat talked about the kind of special experience that she got to go to, but I actually got to go to one as well, um, which was called The Muckety Muck, which cracks me up. And it is a um, – it's a gathering of PR professionals in the zoo world, meaning I got to hang out with a whole bunch of people who I need to convince to let me have guests on the podcast. So it was very fun. Um, it was not meant to be a business type thing. I did not spend time walking around handing out business cards to those people despite the very strong temptation to do so. Uh, but I just had a great time just kind of being present in the moment. And it was at um, COSI, which is an incredible science museum that does actually have some uh, live animals in its collection there. And um, I got to see some ambassador animals and hang out with the crew from the Oakland Zoo and actually spent a lot of time hanging out with the PR team from the Georgia Aquarium, uh, who I've gotten to know through these conferences a little bit, uh, which is which is really cool. Um, so yeah, I I just had such an amazing time. And I think the thing that, you know, if you're a listener of this podcast, that will mean the most to you from all of this is that when I went last year, I know that I, I told y'all that it was this really interesting experience. I got to introduce a ton of people to the podcast. A ton of people had never heard of what we're doing here, and they were really intrigued and curious, and we got a lot of guests from it, and um, it was very cool. It was me with a very small group of people I knew and then a large number of people I was introducing myself to. This year was very different. There was not a single session that I attended that didn't have multiple people in it that have already been on the podcast, including many people who were speaking at the various sessions. Every time I went into the um, the exhibit hall to walk around and get more free stuff um, – I ran into former guests or people that I've met through the podcast, either they're fans or I've interviewed people they know and they've not been on, but we've chatted or whatever. Those connections are so strong now. And it, it just made me realize that like, I'm a true part of this community at this point. Um, you know, hashtag we are AZA is a, a movement that the AZA has. And, um, it's so real and, and realizing that I was a part of it and realizing that I was connected with so many of these people was beyond incredible. 
I mean, I actually thought of trying to make a list of everybody who's like a former guest who y'all would know that I ran into over these couple of days and caught up with and hung out with, but it would be impossible. And don't worry, I still gave out my card to a lot of people and uh, discovered some new people who were going to have on the podcast in the upcoming year. It was an amazing experience. And y'all... If you are at all in this industry, at all involved with any of this, try to get yourself to one of these conferences because it is absolutely incredible and absolutely worth it. All right. I'm going to wrap things up. I want to say thank you to all of my patrons, especially my Red Panda level patrons, Dr. Lara Shank and Dr. Stephen Williamson. And I want to let you all know that you're actually going to be getting another episode like this next week from the AAZV conference. That is the American Association of Zoo Veterinarians. I'm there now. I'm actually recording this um, audio in Nashville after the first day of the conference. And um it's really different and really cool, and I've got some great guests lined up to talk about their experiences just like I did this week. So let me know what y'all thought about this one. It's a little bit different of an episode, but uh, I'm grateful to have y'all here. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed my time at the conference. And remember, friends, the word credits backwards is Steiderk. Oh, and don't forget, there's a post credit scene today. The Rossafari Podcast is produced, hosted, and engineered by John Rossi. Editing and fact-checking by John and Dr. Zoe Rossi. Our theme song is Sevens by Nathan Burke, performed by Nathan and John. Interrupting John theme and additional voices by Taylor Isaac Gray. You can reach John directly on Instagram and Facebook at Rossafari or by email at rossafaripod at gmail.com. Rossafari is part of the Daydreamer Media Network. Now, stop listening to me and go visit a zoo. Okay, I'm going to interview you, and I'm going to clap first. It'll just help me sync these up. Okay. But otherwise, you'd be like, why did you just clap? Do I need to clap? No, just me. Mm -hmm. Do you want to clap? Yeah. Okay, clap. <laughs>